Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Does he not want to work or is he like, oh, no, I want to work. I've been looking. What does is, what is he say to this? He's waiting for me to come up with like a plan for him, like a plan together so that he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know what to do until we have the plan, the talk, and you won't talk to me and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why do I need to give you the game plan? The game plan is you need to find one. What do you mean? There's, no, there's nothing else to it. I would literally be happy if you did anything. <laughs> like, I don't even care what you do. Like, get a part-time job. I don't know. Yeah. To be really honest, I think Steve should get a job for himself. Not for my sister, not for the imaginary kids that he wants, but I think he should get a job for him. Because to my knowledge, he's not super happy with how things are. If you don't like it, do something else. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Married at First Sight Edition. Why does it feel like it's been so long? It's only been one week. Let's talk about it. This episode for me was like equal parts interesting, messy drama, but also really boring. So I'm kind of hoping we're able to get through (laughs) the episode rather quickly, especially because I have a feeling that next week is based on the preview, going to be a real hot mess. I'm excited, but let's live in the present and talk about the current episode. So we're like, at this point, three to less than three weeks out from decision day. And the episode begins with Katina going over to Michael and Jasmina's to talk about what the hell happened at that very awkward dinner that we left uh, on the cliffhanger with. So she's downloading them on what happened after they got back to the apartment and how Elijah Wan asked to look at her phone, pointed out the dating app, and, you know, 
like we all knew, she had been logged out. She hadn't used it, but he popped the hell off. She goes on to say what we all assumed at this point, which is that, you know, she has a lot of apps that she uses on her or that she's downloaded on her phone that she doesn't look at or think about. And she hadn't been on it. So what's the problem? Right. And then she says, you know, it's not an excuse, but it's the truth. And she really didn't like the way Elijah Wan responded. In a confessional, Katina says, you know, I know that Elijah Wan is supposed to, you know, he's like working on his communication and stuff, but she doesn't like what she saw and experienced that day. And she's starting to wonder if he's going to do that again, because she can't see herself being in a relationship with somebody who acts like that. And yeah, I think that is a great question that she needs to start asking herself. Like, I'm so glad that she is, you know, like it was sad enough that she like took all of the beatings that he's given her verbally so far, but I'm glad that she's like, you know what? This is actually really not okay. I don't feel safe. This is not a relationship that I want to be in. And now I need to make the choice to see if Elijah Wan is going to show up for me and communicate with me in a way that isn't like I'm a child and like he has even half of an ounce of respect for me. So I'm glad that she's like now being like, you know what? I deserve more than this. And I got a decision to make on my own. Michael is listening and we know at this point that Michael really seems to have some sort of like friendship or reverence for Elijah Wan. So he asked Katina if they've made up yet. And she says, no, that like Elijah Wan needed more space, but then they did kind of come back to talk about it a little bit, but basically Elijah Wan is still focused. He's laser focused on the fact that she even had that app on her phone and it just wasn't a productive conversation. So Michael then does say that like Elijah Wan is too emotional. And at this point, he's like not able to hear logic. I did feel like he was kind of giving him a pass, but there were other moments like the more Katina talked, I could see in Michael's face that he was like, yeah, I can't really ride for this dude anymore. Like it's very clear that he is freaking out and not wanting to move forward from this. Jasmina then points out that this is just Elijah Wan's character. I don't know if she meant it that way, but she was like, you know, he has warned us before. He has been very open about the fact that he um, will say whatever the hell he feels like when he is upset. And that's not an excuse, but like, at least we all kind of expected that. Like he warned us before. So when Katina then tells Michael and Jasmina that, Elijah Wan told her that her not going through her phone and looking for her apps was an indication that she wasn't prepared for marriage. And even Michael like had to roll his eyes like, bro, you know, like this is weird. It's getting weird. And then it gets sad and Katina starts to cry. And she says that at the end of the day, she's a real person with real feelings. It's upsetting to her that he's using this like one little thing to ruin everything and to use it like as an indication of who she is as a person and as a wife and how prepared she is for marriage like it's bullshit so in a confessional jasmina says 
that like this is now affecting her because she knows that Katina's not really that much of a crier and like it's making her feel some type of way because if she is crying then she must be feeling very deeply about this whole situation and being really hurt by it and yeah she's absolutely right I I don't like this man I don't don't like him um she says you know like Elijah Wan needs to have, we need to have a conversation in which Elijah Wan is talking to me and not at me, especially when he knows that that is what he does. And now that he's done it again, like her feelings are even more hurt because they've already had a conversation. He's already acknowledged. He's already promised to change. And here comes another scuffle and it's back to his old ways. Mm. Jasmina encourages Katina to talk about it. I mean, what other choice does she have? <laughs> Poor thing. I feel really bad for Katina. Like, I just... Ugh. This episode really cemented the fact that, like, where where are the adults? Where are the parents in the room? Like, really, what was the vetting process here? Like, we have to be able to ask the real questions. These people don't seem suited for anything. Most of them. Damn near all of them. And... Ugh. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So then after that, Michael and Elijah Wan have their own one-on-one conversation. And Michael asks Elijah Wan if he wants to talk to Katina. Like, are you guys, are you interested in rehashing this at all and like trying to get over it? And he's like, you know, I'm not going to bring up the conversation. No. (laughs) He's such a punk. In it, then in a confessional, this monster says that Katina needs to think about what she's done and the fact that he's upset about it. Like, you guys see what I mean? And he talks about her and to her like it's worse than a kid because at least with a child, you have respect on some level for where they're at. Like you might be talking down to them, but there's an understanding that you need to. He's talking to her like she is a subhuman who is incapable of understanding human emotion, incapable of being an adult. And like, she's stupid. Like she's a very stupid person. Even though like later in the episode, he calls her brilliant, smart, all these things later. I don't believe it for a second. His love is so conditional and so sometimey. <laughs> and he just disgusts me. And also, when did this neck tattoo happen? Did I miss it? Because I know that I take notes <laughs> and that um, I, you know, miss things, especially when they're in confessionals, because there's really not much to look at. But he that's new, right? Like, it seemed like everybody had new confessionals. And like, obviously, like if the tattoo's recent no obviously the tattoo is recent and therefore (laughs) these confessionals must have been done more recently than obviously in real time in the show but what and what even was it I, I noticed that he had a like near his um I don't even know what part like kind of near his collarbone like but in the center he had what looked like a cross but then looking later on the show he had that part of the tattoo already so this whole neck piece that we're seeing is all new and it kind of looked vaguely Christian but I don't know if the cross was um throwing me off because again I could not tell a single thing that was on that tattoo. So this man really has the nerve to like talk about her preparedness as a human being. And uh, like, 
I don't really think that he is in any place to be judging people's decision making. Not based on that gigantic neck tattoo that he just got. And like no shade to people who have tattoos. I have one, you know, like it, it's nothing like that. It's Elijah one. This is Elijah one. Like, please don't get offended. This is Elijah one specific um, anger. Okay. You know what? His fate is getting a tattoo artist who didn't tell him like, hey, this is a lot of fucking detail on it and people aren't going to be able to notice what it is. So jokes on him, I guess. Jokes on him. Um, Then Elijah Wan talks about like, he tells Michael, he goes through the list of all the things that he did to prepare for this relationship. And then it really clicked into focus what's going on with Elijah Wan. This is something that I have been guilty of myself, but in a different sort of way. Elijah Wan has to learn that like, what you put into a relationship and how you feel like people need to be present is not necessarily what they're going to do. Like you can't expect people to treat you the exact same way that you treat them. So you saying that like, Oh, I did X, Y, and Z to prepare for this relationship. And therefore, because she did not do that, it's like a, a slight on her. Um, that's just not how the world works, bro. Like, you did that. Okay. But that's not a metric for what's to be in a relationship because you arbitrarily made this rule as to like what it is to be a good spouse. Like, you know, like it's really not the end of the world. And he's like, you know, she said she didn't like my hair. So I cut it like, okay, you got a haircut and you deleted your Instagram. Okay. Kudos to you. I guess you're um, Mr. Husband of the year, husband 2021. Congrats, Elijah Wan. Like, what do you want us to do with that? That doesn't mean anything. Sure, hell does not make you any more prepared for marriage than it makes her unprepared for it. Like, these are so stupid. These are so stupid. <laughs> like, think about how much work it is to, like, create all of these, like, hurdles and obstacles for people and then constantly be like, why did they just fall into that pit of fire instead of jumping over it? It's like, I don't know, probably because she's walking around with a blindfold. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, she doesn't know what she's supposed to do and you keep getting mad at her for dumb shit. So in a confessional, Elijah Wan goes on about how, you know, the fact that she had this dating app on her phone might mean that she have one has one foot in and one foot out of this relationship. And that's hurtful to him. But baby, you're choosing to be hurt. And I'm saying this as a, a once again, quadruple Pisces who loves to be deep, deep, deep in my feelings. Okay, you're making this choice, bro. Get out of it. Okay. Let's move on to Steve and Noy. What I feel like, speaking of one foot in and one foot out, I feel like I'm one foot in and one foot out with Noy and Steve. It's feast or famine with them. Either they're giving us absolutely nothing or they're fighting. And even the fighting is not really as satisfying as I want it to be because they're both in the wrong but I'm really like at the end of it at the end of this episode I was hashtag team Noi for sure okay and I just want to say to the social media person who's doing uh, Married at First Sight I saw that you took uh, my term of Noodlegate and I'm fine with that but I just want you to know that I saw it okay and we see each other 
Anyway, speaking of Steve and Noi giving us nothing, most of the first half of what we saw of them was just like puppy content. And as somebody who works with animals and is like literally obsessed, I, there, this sushi is not giving me anything and it's not sushi's fault. It's not. It's just like boring. Like they're just giving nothing. The first thing is like, uh, Noi walking in on Steve and sushi in the bed, um, in the middle of the day. And she's making passive aggressive comments about how she's been working and came in to find them in bed together. And it's noon. And I think she almost hinted or intimated that Steve had not been up that day, like at all. So he is snug as a bug in a rug, him and sushi chilling in the, in the midnight sun. And listen, nobody loves an afternoon nap more than I do, but bro, (laughs) like bro. At least, like, wake up, you know? At least, like, I get up and do things. And, you know, it's the, the nap is a treat for my efforts. You're not even getting up, bro. So, like, what is it that he's contributing? We'll get into that later. So, anyway, um, then they have a scene that I guess is supposed to be, like, cutesy. Ooh, um, let's take sushi to get washed. So, this is some sort of test for Steve to be a good um father in the future (laughs) he he got they gave sushi a bath and put a vest on him that's it y'all that was like two segments okay and then sushi what after what happened after that i don't even know (laughs) oh so then after that we see then another scene with sushi very sushi heavy scene where they're going out to take him to go potty before breakfast and then they're like getting they're doing breakfast and yada 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 right as they're taking sushi to go potty noi keeps asking him to do everything to you know to pick up the poop what have you right they go back in they're trying to plan the day they're making breakfast and noi is directing steve like hey we're gonna make the potatoes by we i mean you steve and you know can you do this that and the third right they sit down well clearly steve is getting annoyed with noi because he feels like she's not helping and she's just directing him to do stuff but he's not saying this to her in the moment he's telling us this um in his confessional he even says that as much as noi is unsure about him with his uh employment status he is equally as unsure about her not contributing to the household now for weeks this man has been talking about how much of an asset he's been by not having a job to contribute to the home and this that and the third and noi wouldn't you miss that if i got a job because look at how much i'm doing but now you're saying what proceeds to happen is that they keep going passive aggressively, not communicating that um, Steve wants Noi to do the chores after the breakfast 50 50 because they have to clean the bathrooms and she has to clean her closet. But all she wants to do is clean the closet. And so she is like very sweetly being like, yeah, so I think like you can do the bathrooms. And he's like, yeah, and I think you can do one of the bathrooms. And Noi's like, yeah, and I think you can do both of them and I'll just work on the closet. And Steve's like, no, but I think you should do one. Great. Got it. So she's like, you know, low key being like, uh, you know, like, this really feels like something that you should be doing because I have a job 
and all of that. And he's like, yeah, well, yeah, I think you should, you know, do it all and also be working. Like, I think that's fair. So when Steve says, you know, that's not really the right play here. Noi says, well, then you can kiss my ass. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, that's a lot. So in a confessional, Noi says that they're always having these conversations about what she's not doing. But they're never having conversations about what Steve's not doing. And she just feels like it's all one-sided to her. And that is making her feel nervous about their future. Moving on to Lindsay and Mark. <laughs> Mark got gifted with a whiteboard by production, I assume. So they, they could uh, do some sort of activity related to their relationship. And he says that he's using this. First of all, the organization on this whiteboard was all off. He wants it to be a, um, what are our plans for this week? What do we want from each other out of the relationship? What are we going to be doing this, that, and the third. And this is supposed to be like another activity to get Lindsay and Mark back on track. Right. Um, Lindsay walks in, she's loving it. And she's like, you know what? I just feel like because, Mark is just like a stubborn only child. Um, you know, this is really difficult for him to go outside of his schedule, but she's saying this, but like everything that she suggests, like, Hey, let's do meal prep. Let's do some time where we're unplugging and not having the phone on. Let's pick a show that we can watch together that we both like. And, you know, every suggestion that she's asking, um, he's like, yeah. So with this idea that he's like just a stubborn old man, um, who never wants to do anything. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Later on, they go to the grocery store and we find out very quickly because Mark is in a bad mood that they had previously agreed upon a $150 budget for this shopping trip. And because Mark doesn't have a job right now, he really needs to adhere to it. So what Lindsay does is take him to what looks like the fanciest farmer's marketiest, like, um, whole foods, but marked up like 300%, like bougie, open air (laughs) market like you know those fruits and vegetables were so expensive so she's like going through they're they're not even getting in they've not even gotten inside right by the time she spent 150 dollars on fruits and vegetables like i was of two minds on this like first of all he can't say no to every fruit and vegetable but also Lindsay, do we need like the specialty grapefruits do we need a rambutan do we need like spaghetti swash like do we need all of this right now no he's made this you know we can cut down to the uh frozen section you guys those frozen vegetables are just as nutritious as the fresh ones. Okay. Um, sometimes even more so in some cases. So don't let the, don't let the packaging fool you you guys. You can get very cheap vegetables that are frozen that are just as good. So anyway, like clearly these people live very different lifestyles. Like this is a vibe for Lindsay, whereas Mark is just in a constant state of terror being like, I just, why I don't need to spend $17 on three Japanese EMs. Like I just can't afford that right now. 
Lindsay clearly is not listening. She's not picking up on the fact that he is uncomfortable and is like, you know, I used to make fun of all my girlfriends for having boyfriends and husbands that were like chicken fingers and fry guys. And look at me, I married the chicken finger and fry guy. And it's like, yeah, he very clearly has a very basic palate. And honestly, it's a little bit shocking to me that he um eats so basic when he is in the fitness industry but whatever okay we all contain multitudes um but yeah it's like the this is these are the things that like Lindsay's not picking up on like he's clearly uncomfortable and yet she's forcing him to do things that he doesn't want to do and really that he can't do right so (laughs) I'm with you. They walk out of the grocery store and Lindsay's like, well, we only went 40% over our budget. And honestly, like I felt like Mark's left eyeball was going to pop right out and into one of the reusable tote bags. Like he was (laughs) livid. (laughs) These people have no business being together. Oh, God bless. Um, Moving on to Michael and Jasmina, really our golden couple (laughs) at this point, all we got to work with. Um, We find out that Jasmina doesn't know how to drive. So Michael has now decided to make it his mission to get Jasmina her permit. So they sit down for dinner and he pulls out these flashcards and they're going over, you know, the rules of the road and Jasmina's cracking jokes about how, you know, um, what do you do when somebody cuts you off in traffic and she lifts her middle finger up and, and honestly is shocked to find out that legally you're not supposed to do anything. Jasmina seemed pretty disappointed about that, but um, yeah, she knows she has like a pretty good handle on it. And she's like, yeah, it's not like I don't know. I just am afraid to drive. I've been in accidents before. Yada, yada, yada. So, In a confessional, Jasmina says that she's really grateful to Michael for pushing her because she wouldn't have pursued getting her license if it weren't for him. Um, And Michael says, hey, like, it's totally fine that I'm having to pick up the dog and do this, that, and the third now. But in the real world, she's going to need to be able to drive. Like, I can't do this. Once they're done with the flashcard portion, like a couple days later, they end up going to a parking lot. Just a typical, we're going to get the cones out and have you go through it, right? Let's, you can't U-turn, you're going to knock the cones down. We've all seen this, right? They end up having a really good time with each other and, you know, it, it ends up being like fun. In a confessional, Jasmina says she's not really sure if she's more physically attracted to Michael, but they're having a good time. And she's hoping that if these good times continue, that maybe the physical and the physical attraction aspect of their relationship might happen at all. I don't know why I didn't pick up on her not being into him physically. Like, I don't know. I didn't pick up. And like, is this a good time to also inquire as to, and this is not a short joke. Okay. Don't come for me. Um, But like, just perception wise, Michael and Jasmina seem like the same height. But to me, Jasmina on television reads as tall and Michael reads as like small and kind of short, even though they're, I think they're around the same height. It's just very strange to me. You guys see it too, right? I'm not the only one, right? Anyway, moving on to Katina and Elijah on the first time we see them together, they're in a diary cam at their apartment and talking about how they had a conversation things are all good now I don't believe it 
And I was right not to believe it because Katina goes on to say that like she realized how hurt Elijah was and what she did to him and she apologized to him and you know what she did wrong. And then she looks at him and says, you know, I think you understood where I was coming from too. Like looking at him to confirm that because you know, she doesn't trust him. And I also also wonder like not to give, not to blame her, but I also wonder like how much she said to him and how much he really took in. He does say that, you know, I did learn that I have to talk to her and I need to control my, uh, Um, anger and he claims that he apologized to her and you know they say to each other on camera I appreciate you I appreciate you they kiss I'm just like I don't believe it I don't trust this man anymore and I you know just the way she was looking at him to be like yeah I think you understood where I was coming from too right it's like I just know that that conversation didn't go well it didn't go well in a way that she felt safe clearly so uh, you know I don't like that man. Anyway, (laughs) then we have Mark and Steve go out to the beach. They're tossing the football. They're talking about their relationships. Just, just bro stuff. Right. Mark says that he and Lindsay are like doing better than he thought. And that he really cares about her. Um, and all the noise that she brings to the table. (laughs) But also Lindsay talks too much. She talks too much about the future. She talks too much about kids. It's freaking him out. He doesn't really want to go there right now. It's just too much. Right. And then they start to talk about how Mark has uh, taken a leave, an involuntary leave from his job and how Lindsay's looking at that as an opportunity for him to find jobs closer to Boston. And he's like, yeah, like, cool that I can do that, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to find the right thing quickly. Right. Um, so then Steve reveals that his financial situation, right. Which is kind of what my sister and I had been thinking, which is that like he had squirreled away a bunch of money. He's got some saved up. And then he says that he's also contributing three to four times what she is now. Initially, I thought maybe I assumed that he meant money wise, right? But watching more of the episode, I'm wondering if he just meant like effort. Like if we're we're doing like a cumulative con- contribution, like he feels like he's contributing three to four times. Mm. It, Steve's being very selective with what he tells people with regard to his financial situation or really like the conversations that he's having with Noy. And even though oftentimes I side with him, I just have been noticing that like, and we all do this to a certain degree, but he's like real selective with what he shares in terms of like noise concerns about him and how he's addressing those. Right. So for example, he tells Mark that like he understands on the one hand that Noi has never seen him with a job and that she's concerned. But he also says that she needs to trust the fact that he knows what he's doing, right? So in a confessional, he says, Steve says, you know, I think that this is a problem of perception and also a future problem. Now, if you have an understanding that like yeah, she's not seen you 
have a job, you're pretty adamant about not getting one when it comes up in conversation, you're not really setting it up to be trustworthy, right? Like you're just saying, oh, just trust me. I don't want to have a job. Look at how much I cook and clean for you. I wouldn't trust you either, bro. Like, I understand how from Noe's perspective, like, yeah, maybe you're fine now, but again, you seem pretty adamant about not having a job. So like, what does our future look like? Right. Um, so he goes on about how he cooks and cleans and he's contributing to the relationship, um, the way that she's asking for him to, and he's like, well, what else can I do? Like, is the only way to make you happy to get a job? Yeah, Steve. Yeah. That's it. But then he says that it's like hard for him to sit with that. The idea that she wants him to have a job. This is where Steve loses me when he says that if he got a full-time job, he wouldn't have time to dream about their future. Guys, he really said that. What? (laughs) Same, same, same. Yeah. I'm going to use it later. Like, I'm, we're not, how am I, how am I going to have my dreams about us? If you stifle me with employment, how will I do that? <laughs> then he goes on to say, I just need to know, like, what I'm getting a job for. Is it because you want to save up for a house? Is it because you want nice things? Like, I need some, like, real answers. Well, I don't know. I feel like both of those are pretty reasonable <laughs> reasons to get your ass a job. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you trying to do here? Buy a house? <laughs> yeah. What do you what do you want to have like a nicer um, standard of living that you would on one person living on uh, two people living on one person's uh, dime? Yeah. 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 I would like to be able to have secure housing and to live comfortably. Why don't you just shoot Noe right in the face? Like, (laughs) what an unreasonable wench. Like, why would that be hard for you to sit with? (laughs) What about about that is difficult? (laughs) He's really wild. Then he says, if I get a full-time job, it'll stifle what we could create together. Steven really thought that he had an ally in Mark where Mark's just like, "Uh uh-huh. That's not at all my situation. I lost my job because of the show. And like, I very much would like to be working. This isn't like whatever the hell you're talking about right now, Steve. (laughs) So they both agree though, that their ups and downs in their relationship are really making it difficult to see what decision they're going to make at the end of the day. And then they challenge each other to like catch the ball with one hand. I, Steve ended up just jumping into the ocean. Like, okay, boys will be boys, whatever. <laughs> then we have um, a whole section where the individuals have conversations with their friends about the state of their relationship. I'll try to go through this quickly because, you know, I, you guys know, I don't care about the conversations with the friends usually. Right. Sriracha came to play and I, I enjoyed that, but Starting with Elijah one, he meets up with his coach or his former football coach. And he basically was like, yeah, you know, everything's good. But then he goes about how, you know, the biggest situation that they've gone through so far was the dating app thing. And, you know, 
Coach Mac basically calls out Elijah Wan for being an asshole and reminds him that years ago, another coach told him that like you play with emotion, but you don't let emotions play you. Right. Um, Elijah Wan gives himself a pat on the back for being able to have a conversation that didn't end up with him having an attitude at the end of it. And, you know, he goes on to coach Mac goes on to tell Elijah Wan that like, watch your mouth, (laughs) make sure you don't say anything that you can't take back. And you have to understand that people come from different places. They have different life experiences, but you have to come together excuse me, to uphold the sanctity of your marriage. And if you guys have that goal, like you guys will be okay. Then we see Michael meet up with another one of his sisters named Claire. And we get like a Michael and Jasmina. He said, she said back and forth with Jasmina. And um, she's talking to her mom on video chat. So Michael, I mean, they basically kind of agree that like things have been really good. They've been in a much better place recently and that that's all good. But then Jasmina like straight up tells her mom that she's not physically attracted to him. And she just doesn't have feelings for him either. And, you know, her heart's not closed off to the idea of that, but like, if there's no romance by decision day, then she can't see herself saying yes. And like I said, we're like three weeks out from D-Day at this point. Michael admits to his sister that like he clearly knows that they're not being intimate with each other. And he says that this has been the longest time where he's been in a relationship without taking the next step. And you know, it gets to that weird place where you're like, are we friend zoning each other? I'm feeling like I don't want to make a move because it seems like you're not into it. And then that other person is probably thinking the same thing and you know, that whole thing. So Claire says, just do like a little thing, like don't dive in head first, but just like take those little tiny steps of like physical intimacy and, you know, go from there. Then Michael says, like, from his perspective, he feels like now he's giving 110% to this relationship and that he feels like he wants Jasmina to do the same, which makes me feel like he might not feel like she she is currently. Uh, But yeah, he also says, you know, if we don't get to move continuously moving forward, like, I don't see myself saying yes on decision day either. Like we're at the point where there are, we don't have time to be taking any steps back. So mm, we'll see. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter. It's innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. And getting back to Mark and Lindsay, we see diary cam footage of Lindsay. I'm like, oh Lord, here go hell comes. So she says that Mark is on the outs with her right now and she's not sure if she, he can get back in. Another absolutism um, from Lindsay here. Then we get to see apartment cam footage of Lindsay screaming at Mark about how he just ruined $250 worth of clothes because we find out that They've had several conversations about the laundry that Lindsay has made it very clear that um, there are some of her items that can't go in the dryer and that they have established a two laundry basket system and that there's a basket of things that Mark just should not touch. Right. He touched them. (laughs) He put them in the dryer. She's pissed and she's pissed because like we've had so many conversations about this before how dare you um mark is pissed because he's like i just apologize like why can't you let this go and it's a whole thing then back of the diary cam footage Lindsay goes through a whole list of all mark's failures he's not adhering to the whiteboard rules that he introduced he doesn't want to do the checkpoints at the end of the night that they had agreed upon he's being wishy-washy about moving to boston and getting a job and he won't even tell her what his budget is for rent <laughs> then we get more apartment cam footage where like i said they had talked about the the baskets and stuff and like he, he touched it anyway, and Lindsay starts to pop off about how Mark keeps making rules. She keeps following them, but then he doesn't, right? So <laughs> the apartment footage continues, and Lindsay's, like, yelling about how, you know, if Mark had given you, given me, Mark, if you had given me even half as much attention as you do to the cat, Chloe, we wouldn't even be in this place. If you would touch me as much as you touch the cat, we would be fine, because you touch the cat more than you do me. She keeps going on about how like Mark's not stepping up to the plate with anything and that this is no man of hers. Okay. And this is no friend of hers either. So yet another cliffhanger with Mark and Lindsay back to Katina. We see her meet up with her sister-in-law, Anna. Anna wasn't able to attend the wedding. And so Katina's like, Oh, you know, I want to catch her up, tell her what's going on, get some words of encouragement, etc. So, <laughs> 
on a straight up ask the real questions, which is, um, do you have any pictures of Elijah one with his shirt off? And also have you guys been having sex? Um, <laughs> she sees a shirtless picture. She's like, you know what? Nice. <laughs> Finds out that they're not having sex. And it's like, Ooh, not nice. Katina goes on to tell her about the dating app situation and how she felt like having to go into this protected mode when they got into their fight. It makes me sick. She basically repeats what she said to Michael and Jasmina, which is that like, she's afraid about Elijah's future, a future with Elijah. And that basically she's learned in this relationship that she has to be calm when she communicates. Thank God for Anna. She makes the excellent point that Elijah needs to be reciprocating the calm energy that she's giving. And Katina says, you know, you know, things come up and when they come up, I just want Elijah to consider how he's coming across, but that's something that he's going to have to learn over time. And I need to figure out if I have the patience to wait for him to figure that out. God bless. Anna then is just like, well, you know, just have fun. Like well, yeah, yeah. I, mm, I I wish you knew that she couldn't, Anna. That's the thing. She's not really having too much fun because he keeps doing double dare with her emotions. Then Anna and Katina hug, and Katina falls out of her chair. <laughs> it was a good moment. Um, going back to Stephen Noy. We see apartment cam footage of them getting into it and well, they're not really getting into it. It's like a, a very um, low grade argument, right? They're sitting on the couch and Noah's having some chips or whatever. And they're picking up on a conversation that they had earlier. So Steve's like, okay, can you just confirm whether or not you're afraid about saying yes on decision day? Like you said before, and then breaking up a few months later like and she's like no that's not what i said but then she tells steve that she doesn't feel like moving in after decision day and apparently she doesn't feel the need to move in and steve says in a confessional like i'm just really thrown for a loop because i hadn't even considered the possibility that we wouldn't be moving in after this so then she says to Steve, like, you know, I'm just really not comfortable um, combining our lives at this point. And Steve's like, okay, well, then it kind of sounds like you're not ready to be committed to a marriage. And Noi's like, no, 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 no. I just don't want to live with you. <laughs> and I don't think that's weird. I think people live separately all the time. It's not really an indication of my commitment level and yada, yada, yada. And... <clears throat> Steve's basically just like, I don't really understand <laughs> what we're doing. Like, you're at the highest level of commitment. We're already living together. What's going on? Steve's like, well, this is weird and it's not adding up. But it's like, you already know what this is about, bro. Like, <laughs> it, why are we even beating around the bush? Like, I don't understand their communication. Like, they know what's going on. He clearly... How does he not think in the front of his mind that clearly this has to do with finances? Like, why are we talking circles? Just say what it is. And that's for both of them. Like, they're frustrating both of me. Both of them are frustrating me. 
<laughs> I can't even speak straight. So moving back to the friend conversations, Mark meets up with his friend, Erica. He says that they've known each other a while. She's seen him through several of his most recent relationships, all the ups and downs. So he's hoping that she can give her some advice. So Mark tells Erica that like his relationship with Lindsay has a lot of good moments, but then they have these tough conversations. And then if things aren't resolved and then they come up the next week and it's just a cycle. Right. And he also says that the month anniversary was a turning point for them, but kind of sounds like it was more of a U turn because like you said, you keep going back or like a roundabout. <laughs> it might be more like a roundabout same same old shit different day right they're just fighting about the same thing from week one according to mark and he's over it then he says like the first week of their relationship was just him trying to figure out who Lindsay was right and how she keeps telling him that she wants him to be direct but he gets too afraid to do that because he's afraid of how she reacts so he just keeps quiet but then when he does raise his voice Lindsay starts getting triggered from her past or whatever right so erica tells him that sounds like you guys have a communication problem <laughs> yeah thanks for joining us erica <laughs> and then she says something kind of surprising which is that like mark isn't giving Lindsay what he should be because he starts talking about like you know the first week what he was trying to say is like the first week I was just trying to figure out. So we're on week three and she's talking about family and kids and stuff. And I just like, can't get there. But she's like, yeah, but you guys are three weeks in, like you should be able to have these conversations. So you're not giving Lindsay what it is that she needs. And really you need to be open with her and you cannot shut down. I thought this was very strange advice. Okay. <laughs> um, then Mark says like, He's basically really on the fence about decision day that he hasn't been away from Lindsay to miss her, but he also doesn't know if he wants her forever with her either. You do know you don't, you don't, he can't afford to get out of this. Let's be real. He just lost his job. So he can't afford to pay the contract fees like Chris could, but yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, do they tell them like, Hey, even if you're feeling like you want to get out of this, like, uh, pony up for the cameras boy it's it's a uh, go time like you ha have to at least pretend to be somewhat committed to this because it seems like clearly what's going on with mark <laughs> and to a certain extent Lindsay too mm, i don't know so then we have noi meeting up with her sister sriracha and this is where i was like finally somebody wants to have make good television here okay so Noi says to Sriracha, you know, things are mostly good. They're really playful with each other. And she really needs somebody that she can be a kid around. But, <laughs> you know, then Noi says that, you know, she, they had a picnic for their month anniversary and that Steve said, I love you. And she's, Sriracha's like, he said, I love you after a month. <laughs> and at that point, no Noi knew she couldn't be like, well, yeah, I mean, I said it to him after three days because Noi's like, well, you know, like a month is like two years in, in real time, right? Like married at first sight month is two years, right? Um, I feel like two years is a long time to say I love you. <laughs> you know, like it seems like a, a good chunk of time. 
Sriracha and I rolled our eyes at the same time and are just like, you know, okay, girl. So the Noi basically tells Sriracha that the gag is with regard to the um, uh, chores and whatnot, that she is actually doing most of the cleaning, most of the cooking, going to the grocery store. And on top of that, she has a job. So she's really having a hard time understanding why it is that Steve thinks that they should be splitting up the household tasks 50-50 when she's doing a lot more than he is. <laughs> she even goes on to say, like, you know, he has more free time for obvious reasons. So then she says, it was just like hammer after hammer after hammer. Noi says that Steve told her that her job is just for her and that the things that he does within the household are for things for them right? The job is just like, he's acting like this is just a hobby. Like she got into knitting or something like this is just something for you. This isn't really like you're not contributing to us. And noise like, well, eventually I will be like, that's a really thin um, thing to lean on Steve. Like, okay, maybe she's not contributing financially now because you guys aren't having to pay for stuff because you're on a show, but like you guys are about to be out of this apartment in three weeks. And so what are you going to have to say after that? What's your excuse going to be then? Then Noi drops another hammer by revealing that Steve has been bringing up these hypothetical um, situations in which she does more work like he's just passively aggressively being like oh well like what if you do this what if you do that like housework right and sriracha's like why don't we play a hypothetical game about you having a job how about that (laughs) amen girl that is a great fucking question sriracha asks like what is the deal with the job you know like what's going on and noise like you know I really don't know. Steve keeps telling me that he has been waiting on me to uh, present him with a plan. (laughs) What? And it's like, the game plan is that you need a job. There's nothing else to it. That's the plan. Like, Noi goes on to say, like, I would be happy if he did literally anything. I would be happy if he got a part-time job. I don't care. (laughs) So then they get Sriracha in a confessional and she's like, you know, if we're talking about getting jobs for ourselves, then I think it would be very easy for Steve to just get a job for himself. And, you know, that's it, right? (laughs) Like, yes, if he doesn't like the situation, then he should change it. Duh. (laughs) So Noi very correctly says, I just really have a hard time seeing a future with somebody who is not willing to get a job and that we've had conversations about our finances that have led me to not feel comfortable about our, our, about combining our finances. Right. And I just want to be cautious because I don't want to have to start over again. So then Noi reveals that the whole reason she moved to Boston was for a relationship. And once they broke up, she didn't get into the details, but she was like, you know, it was, it was really complicated. And I just, I'm not trying to go there again, right? (sighs) Unbelievable. The nerve of him to be like, you need to present me with a plan. (laughs) Noi says herself that she's looking for a plan and that she needs Steve to come up with a game plan before decision day. So then 
Sriracha and Noi start to talk about how like this is a very different situation from her past relationships and how normally if this were normal Noi dating she wouldn't be dating a guy who didn't have a job (laughs) wouldn't be happening but then Sriracha is like well you married a guy so what are you going to do about that now (laughs) I am with Sriracha. I am very much like, let's not live in the, um, what I would have done if your situation is now that you're married to him. So what we going to do, girl, what we going to do? But after that, we see Steve have a video chat with his friend and he asks her if he thinks that he should be able or be concerned about Noi wanting to move in together after decision day. And then he brings up the fact that he told Noi to not bring up social media, not bring up anything on social media about their relationship. But then he saw this like vague post on Instagram stories that said, the moment you start to feel like you deserve better, you do. So this is what I'm saying, like about him being selective, like, oh, you know, she just didn't want to move in. But it's like, why? <laughs> like, or and also like, what are the other things that happened before that? Did you tell your friend that she didn't like that you don't have a job? Because I feel like your friend would be on noise side about that, truthfully. Um, just very selective, just really selective. So... Steve says that he asked Noi if that post was about him and she said no. And his girlfriend's like, well, you have to take her for a word. If she, that's what she said, don't dwell on it. You know, that's the truth, right? Or you need to believe that that's the truth. So then she says, what I'm hearing from Noi is that she needs space. And that sometimes she even is going to have to push in order to get that. And I think it's just human behavior. <laughs> okay. I, okay (laughs) i don't i don't know if that was really helpful or truthful but she's only working with the information that she's gotten so she's doing the best she can right then she tells steve that it sounds like he has all these questions in his mind and he kind of knows what's going on and that they just need to have a conversation he needs to ask the questions and get down to it Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So then moving back quickly to Michael and Jasmina. Michael cooks for Jasmina for the first time. Uh, I'm assuming that was supposed to be lasagna. I was very confused. I mean, we did, he did have this whole preface about how Michael's kitchen is sort of a no rules, just eyeballing. But I also have eyes. 
And I'm wondering, okay, he got two pans, two of those like, you know, banquet silver aluminum pans, right? The big one, the casserole size one that you make a lasagna in. And then like a, you know, like a bread loaf size one, right? He was making lasagna in the big pan. But he only made like one lasagna stripe worth of lasagna. <laughs> so it was like two thirds of the pan was just burnt sauce. And one was just like a strip of lasagna. And then he seemed to make an additional lasagna in that bread pan. And I'm just like very confused about like, were, was there a difference? Was there a reason why we did two pans when one of them was... It was just very confusing. Very, very confusing to me. Um, he did seem to use the good ingredients. I noticed he did the uh, the Rayo's sauce. Um, I, I'm just very confused. I don't think I want to be in Michael's kitchen. It, it, it seemed like a dangerous place to be. Anyway, while they're watching that lasagna cook, and also doesn't lasagna, I haven't made a lasagna in a long time, but don't you kind of have to pre-make that? Like, doesn't it need to rest and like cool down for at least an hour or 30 minutes or so before you dive into it? Like, that's why Michael ended up burning the roof of his mouth later. Anyway, this and I just, like, what was he doing? Did Rudy After Dark discuss like Michael's uh, cooking process? Because I have questions. I don't need them answered, but I do have them. Um, so as, as it's baking, like I said, Michael starts to get pretty vulnerable and is like, you know, in the beginning we weren't doing well. I was so focused on that, that I wasn't really giving a hundred percent effort and moving forward. I just want to do as much as I possibly can. And Jasmina's like, I'm really grateful that you said that because I haven't heard these stuff things before. And I didn't know you felt that way. And so then Michael, then they do a taste test again. He took, did you guys notice that he took that big pan out of the oven and he only had one oven mitt. He like put that his bare hand on that, that banquet thing. See, scary place to be. Scary place to be. Um, then back to Tina and Olajuwon. They just have taco night. Was there anything that happened? You know, um, Elijah was, ha Elijah Vaughn was happy because he had food in front of him and he's like, Oh, this is like the greatest moment I've never had. See, this is how we know he's a nerd. He's never done taco Tuesday. Never, ever. <sighs> I don't like him, but anyway, he was like, so happy. Please is punch because he had a belly full of tacos and like, I can relate, but like, I'm never going to relate to Elijah Wan. I take that back. Um, you know, he keeps talking about how like he loves his, he, well, he didn't say he loved her. He said, I love the marriage. I love the marriage. Okay. <laughs> and you know, honestly, I'm just glad he's not emotionally abusing her at this point. So I'll take that as a W, I guess. So, oh Lord, ending the episode with Mark and Lindsay. And another disaster. So, Lindsay... <laughs> I'm always lost with Lindsay, but, like, Mark is right about this up and down shit. Like, it is up and down. Like, you're talking in the diary cam. The last time we saw you on this episode, you're saying that you Mark's on the outs with you and you don't know if he can get back in. So, when we see her again, she's got these cats in a bunch of shark costumes talking about how they're going to be taking family photos 
you just said you were on the outs with him. So what's, you know, <laughs> no wonder he doesn't know which way is up. Mark is on one and I'm glad because he says, you know, he's taking his friend's advice about being more communicative, communicative. And you just tell that he's ready. He's ready to roll. He's clearly very annoyed. At first they sit down for dinner. And, like, they clearly got very different things. Like, he, I think he got literally chicken fingers. And <laughs> she seemed to get some sort of cure curry. But what she kept doing is, like, nagging him. Why don't you try the curry? Can you just put it, dip a fry in it? Can you just try it? Do you want to try it? I need you to try this. You never try stuff like this. I'm telling you you're going to like it. Blah, blah, blah. Just dip a fry in it. So finally, he, like, she's asking him over and over and over. He's like, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I just said I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm not interested. There's stuff in here that you like, but I don't want it. Okay. Well, why don't you just try it? And he's like, okay, I'll dip a fry in it. He says he doesn't like it. She's like, see, <laughs> see, it's, it's fine when you just do it. He's like, this isn't fun because I told you that I didn't want to do it. And you're making me do this. this isn't like a fun adventure for me. So then he starts on and starts about how the process isn't easy but then Lindsay's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I get it. He's like, can I finish? She's like, yeah. <laughs> and then Mark starts again and says, you know, every day they have great times, but then they also have very difficult times. And it's taken him four weeks to get to the point where he felt like he really cared about Lindsay. But he's still not really sure which direction to go because their relationship is such a roller coaster. So Lindsay says you know, Mark, I just think you're not focusing on how you can do better and what you're doing wrong. And at this point, I'm not sure if I can give anything else to this relationship. Okay. <laughs> so in a confessional, Lindsay says that she just wanted to enjoy the night, but Mark is once again, not taking any responsibility and just focused on the past. <laughs> And then they start to talk about boundaries and how she's explained her boundaries over and over to Mark. But Mark's like, what you really actually do is shout. And when I yell, it's only after you've been shouting at me. Okay. And then Lindsay's like, well, communication is a two way street. And she tries to take Mark's hand. And Mark's like, literally recoils from her. And he says, do you know that you don't have to grab me? <laughs> so at that point, Lindsay looks at him and is like, I'm done. Okay. So she takes her coat. She walks out and in a confessional, she's like, you know, Mark's a brick wall. And, you know, I just am not sure if I want to hurdle that brick wall. <laughs> so, of course, this is a perfect timing. The photographer arrives. She got the photographer from the, their wedding to come take photos of them in the shark costumes with all those cats. The photographer is like, hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> and But Lindsay's gone. So Mark has to do this uh, photo shoot all by himself, just trying to wrangle these cats in shark costumes, nothing doing. Lindsay comes back in a few minutes later and she's like, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to take the pictures. Like you just do the pictures with him, right? <laughs> Lindsay says some shit about the lack of boundaries and the lack of accountability and how it's not worth it to her. And in a confessional, Mark says that basically it's the delivery for him, right? She might have a point with how she's feeling, but the way she says it, it doesn't make him want to change because she's just so negative. Like he doesn't care. 
So then Mark tries to tell Lindsay that like he feels like they he's happy to have a discussion, but that there needs to be a two way street between them. And Lindsay's like, well, sometimes there aren't two way streets. Like there is no two way street. <laughs> so then Lindsay accuses Mark of not being invested. And he's not being invested in the relationship and how he can pour into every other relationship in his life, except for this one. And in a confessional, Mark says that Lindsay thinks that he's not listening, but he is, or she, he is listening to her. She's not seeing his side of things. So Mark's like, well, do you want to do the photo shoot? And she's like, what? And pretend I like you? No. Not really. And so Mark's trying to encourage her and be like, come on, like, this was your idea. Like, it was a good idea. Like, let's just do it. So the photographer comes back in. They do some photos. (laughs) And in a confessional, Mark's like, I knew that she would be able to, like, basically compartmentalize. Like, even though she's pissed right now, I know that she wanted to take this photo shoot. So I know for a fact that she's going to take these pictures. And when we're done, she's just going to be pissed at me again. So just take the damn pictures, right? So they get through the pictures with all the cats. And then the cats go away. And the photographer's like, well, do you guys want to take any pictures of just you two? At this point, they're sitting on opposite sides of the couch, and the silence is so deafening for so long. And then just being like, "Mm." okay. (laughs) So they get closer on the couch together. Mark starts to put his arm around Lindsay, but then doesn't even want to touch her. So he puts his arm on the back of the couch. Like it is so completely awkward. I, I hope that they tipped that photographer later, paid her double. For emotional distress. I I cannot. Con- I, oh, it's so awkward. The episode ends with Mark in a confessional. And it's like, you know what? In terms of our communication, it just doesn't work. <laughs> and that's it. Like, oh, what an absolute disaster this couple is. I, I <laughs> All the couples. All the couples. Why am I even fronting? And acting like it's just them. It's all of them. Let's all reflect on that. Uh. Until next week, if you guys are able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would be super, super grateful. Um, Until then, have a great weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.